Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's try that again. Merry Christmas. It's an exciting time of the year. And again, as Pastor Keith mentioned in the video, we'll be having a Christmas Eve service. And it will take place here in the auditorium next uh, tomorrow evening from 5 to 6. It'll be in under an hour. And so we're really praying and trusting that you'll take one of these invite cards and you'll invite a friend, a family member, or an enemy to come to church with you that uh, they'll be able to worship with us and be a part of what we'll be doing tomorrow evening here at the Performing Arts Center. How many of you just listened to or you kind of heard in the background the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah? Did you hear that? There's this biblical verse that is so powerful that isn't actually part of Handel's Messiah, but it is taken, as I mentioned, in prayer from the book of Revelation. But before we actually get to that, one of the things that I've been thinking about some is the idea of listen to the lyrics. Our Christmas sermon series has been entitled Heaven's Song. But I think songs only have an impact in our hearts and in our lives if we actually listen to the lyrics or we listen to the words. And so the concept would be for this morning is that we're going to look at the words, we're going to listen to the lyrics of what was said to Mary and to Joseph about Jesus. What were the words that spoke, that were spoken, that grabbed their hearts? And here's one of them that just seems to echo so true with Handel's Messiah, that Alleluia chorus. And here's what's referenced here. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 33. These are words that the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary. And it says this, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Wouldn't it be cool if we could all stand together, right, and we're not going to, but if we could stand together and like some incredible choirs sing the Alleluia Chorus together. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right, we're not going to though, because I would have to lead that. And you have to start out on key in order for that to, to come out well. And I won't be doing that. Now, words matter, and what is spoken matters. Now, some of you know that for the last three weeks, I had been attempting to grow a beard. And um, I personally felt like it was going incredibly well. And again, on the large screen, there's a picture of the vision that I had for my beard. So we could put that up on the big screen. Maybe not. There we go. That was my vision. How many of you know at times visions don't pan out? And uh, so I had this vision for the beard. And I can guarantee you I did not shave it off because Fran told me to. I promise you I didn't. Very dear friend of mine who was sitting behind me this morning earlier on about a week ago said, you do know that you look older with a beard. Now if you're like 16, that's awesome. But if you're 54, when someone says you look older with something, you throw it away, you sell it, you get rid of it. And I said to my wife, what do you think of my beard? And she said, you can keep it if you want to. So... 
She never said, shave it off. Not once, but the way she said, you can keep it if you want to, kind of led me to shave. The other thing is, I'm doing a little work on my house, and I had an electrician friend that was showing me how to do something, and he had a beard. And he looked at mine, I looked at his, and he said, we will be shaving these before Christmas, won't we? But the idea is, is that what people say to us have a huge impact. But what was said to Mary and to Joseph in the Christmas story, and again I say this every time I teach on Christmas, only two of the four Gospels mention what we know as the nativity. Only two of the four. The book of Matthew uploads to us the reality of Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. And then Luke uploads to us the story of Mary. So what I would like for us to do now is to listen to Mary and to Joseph as they read to us what the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew have to say. And what we're going to listen to is what the angels said, what the angel Gabriel said to Mary and the angel said to Joseph in a dream. Let's listen. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Those are powerful readings. When you listen to what the angel said in a dream to Joseph, and the angel Gabriel in person said to Mary, you discover that what was shared with them from God through the angel about Jesus is incredibly profound. And for the past 2,000 years, people have listened over and over again to what the angelic's reality had to say about this child 
Not only were Mary and Joseph transformed by what was said about that baby, but for 2,000 years, human hearts and human lives have been transformed over and over again by the billions because of what the angel said and the words that were spoken about this child. Now, what I want to do this morning is what I've been doing throughout this Christmas series. We have been looking repeatedly at these two episodes and what I want to do again this morning is bring to us more in devotional style some things that I noticed in prayer and some things that spoke to my heart and prayerfully I know will speak to yours as well. One of the things that I noticed was the suddenness with which the angelic reality exited the story. I mean, picture this. The angel comes to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and speaks to her. And at the end of the speaking, it says this, then the angel left her. My goodness, if I were Mary, I would have said to the angel Gabriel, you're staying. You want to bring me a message like this? You want to talk about conceiving through the Holy Spirit? You want to talk about my son ruling and reigning on David's throne? Then you're hanging around. I want you to stay. But the Bible tells us clearly, and it's with such suddenness, that the Bible says the angel delivers this message, answers a question for her, and says, you will conceive of the Holy Spirit. And then just like that, the angel's gone. Exits. Stage right. And there's Mary. Now, it's interesting, too. It's similar with Joseph. The Bible tells us that an angel comes in a dream to Joseph. And the reason why that happened is Joseph is named after the Older Testament Joseph, who was famous for his ability to interpret dreams. So here's Joseph being spoken to by an angel through a dream. And the Bible tells us this, when, it, when Joseph woke up, what do you think happened as Joseph woke up? Can you imagine? Have you ever had an experience where you were kind of in the middle of a dream and you woke up and you wished like anything you could go back into your dream and finish it or remember it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know exactly. Can you imagine Joseph? He has this angelic visitation in a dream, and the angel tells him some incredible things about this boy, and then he wakes up. I can only imagine that Joseph was there laying in his waterbed, and in that moment, he closed his eyes. And he said, dear God, let me fall asleep and dream it again. Doesn't happen. The angel exits stage right. Joseph wakes up. And you know what they were both left with? Do you know what Mary and Joseph were left with? The words of God. That was it. They were left with the words of God that God had spoken to them about this child, about the child that together they would raise. 
We're going to get to some of the statements that God speaks through the angel, but I want you to capture in your heart and capture in your mind and more importantly in your spirit that as God speaks to them, the messenger leaves, Joseph wakes up, and what they're left with is the message. They're left with what was said about God's son, about their child. And what was they were left with transforms them because it was his word. Here's what I want to say. That as I thought this through this passage of Scripture from Hebrews 4.12 really struck me. And here's what struck me. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, God's word speaks to the heart. There's little doubt in Matthew and in Luke that Joseph and Matthew and Mary and Luke, when the angels speak, something grips their hearts and they're transformed. Joseph comes out of the fog of a dream and when he does, he remembers what the angel spoke to him about this boy. And the Bible says he goes and gets Mary and takes her home as his wife. It's amazing. But you know, not only has the story of what the angel said about Jesus and this baby that would have been born transform hearts, but God's word has been transforming hearts for thousands of years. But here's what I want you to take note of, and this is so important, especially as we look into the Christmas season, and especially if you're someone who's kind of checking out faith. Maybe someone invited you this morning. And you're sitting here, maybe this is your Christmas Eve service and you're checking out who Jesus is. Here's what I want to tell you. That you can read the Bible from front to back. But without faith and an open heart and without the moving of the Holy Spirit, the Scripture can come to you just like any other book. You know, the reality of it is I love reading John Grisham novels. I love his writings. But the reality of it is a John Grisham novel has never transformed my life. But Scripture has. Do you want to know why? I've come to it with an open heart by faith. But it's also this, that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of Scripture in your life and in mine, it transforms everything. Everything. That's why at City we are a relationally driven, biblically-based, spirit-led church. And I want you to notice the Trinity is not made up of the Father, the Son, and the Bible. You ever notice that? The Trinity is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we come to Scripture by faith, even the simple Christmas story, when we come by faith, the Holy Spirit begins to move and work in our hearts and in our lives. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did for Mary. You see, when the angel brings the message about this boy, the angel says to her, you will conceive, but there won't be any man. And she says, how will this happen? And the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit. What is impossible for man, the Holy Spirit is going to accomplish. 
Please understand that as Mary and Joseph are moving towards and begin to respond to the words about that child, Mary knows to the bottom of her soul that it's the Holy Spirit that is accomplishing the fullness of Scripture in her life, and that has never changed. For her and for me, Scripture is fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit when I approach Scripture by faith. The other thing that I noticed that I thought was very profound was that the angel came to Mary and said, the Lord is with you. That's fascinating. And then to Joseph, and after the angel visits Joseph, there's a little prophecy pulled from the older into the newer testament in the gospel of Matthew. And it says of Jesus, they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. You know what dawned on me for the very first time in a sort of new angle or with a different paradigm is this, is that the angel says to Mary, the Lord is with you. As the angel has exited Joseph's reality for the nativity, there's this prophecy that's given, God with us. Now, I know I've heard the phrase, Emmanuel, God with us, but for some reason, it has spoken to me uniquely for this Christmas season. And it says here, God with us. But I love what the angel says to Mary, the Lord is with you. God is with us. But the Christmas story shouts at you and shouts at me that the Lord is with you personally. God isn't just with everyone. It's that sense of the Lord is uniquely with you. And the Christmas story calls us to this, to open up our hearts by faith and say, I recognize that Emmanuel, God is with us, but what about the Lord is with me personally? Then Scripture goes on to tell us that the angel begins to announce some things about Jesus. And I love this. The angel announces in the Gospel of Luke to Mary about her son saying that he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, I want you to rethink about what we know about the nativity. Kind of remember what you know. Remember the Christmas story. I mean, can you imagine being Mary? The angel appears to her and says, God is uniquely with you, Mary. The Lord is with you. And then the angel goes on to explain about this son that she will give birth to. And the scripture says that God in a unique way is going to make him king. Mary, your son is going to be king. And he's going to sit on David's throne. It's fascinating to me that Mary never questions that. Because if I were Mary, I would have said to the angel, but I'm engaged to Joseph. He's a carpenter. There's no sense at all that he has any option for the throne of David. None. Hey, angel. 
I know what you're saying and you're trying to convince me that, oh my goodness, this son of yours will literally sit on David's throne. You've got to be kidding me. Now, it's interesting, and I think the reason why she never asked the question about this is because she asked the question about conception. And she says, how can this be? Because I am a virgin, and the angel says, the Holy Spirit's going to accomplish that, and she thinks, good enough for me. Well, let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit can empower you to conceive, I think she could easily believe that it would also be true that her son would become king and that her son would have a kingdom. That's a powerful thing. My son is here this morning. I remember the day he was born. The day he was born, I had no clue whether he was going to be a boy or a girl. I was into what we call the self-inspection method. Fran wanted to know. She said, would you mind? I said, sure, you can find out the sex of the children, but never tell me. She said, I could not keep that secret from you. All right? So we never knew, all three of our self-inspection method. But I can remember when Peter came out and I observed that there was an heir to the throne. And um, it's very obvious, by the way. And I, out comes Peter and you hold this child, and here's full confession. I was the youngest of three boys, and we lived a very isolated life. I can tell you, I don't think I held more than 10 children, 10 infants before my son was born. And I can remember when I was handed my son, and I looked down at him, and I looked at this child, and you instantly begin to think when you're a dad, what will this son become? What will he become? What will he be? This little bundle of potential, what will he be? And believe me, I had my theories. You can look at pictures of Peter when he was a baby. I had soccer balls stuck in the crib with him. All this sports equipment you know anything about my son, he hates sports. Totally just can't understand for the life of him why anyone would play a sport. But you see, I had a vision. It was totally wrong. But here's Mary. She had the full, first ultrasound ever. The angel said to her, you're going to have a boy. But you see, it wasn't just an ultrasound. It was a prophetic announcement that this son that you will be born, that you're going to give birth to, he will become king. And he'll sit on David's throne, and he's going to have a very unique kingdom and a very unique kingship because his kingdom will never end. And as we sit here this morning, we are proof that the angel was truthful to Mary. 2,000 years later, we sit in an auditorium and people are in congregations all over this world preparing their hearts for Christmas. And it proves again that the angel was truthful when the angel said to Mary, your son will sit on David's throne, but he will have a unique kingdom and be a unique king because his kingship will never
And the last very simple devotional thought is this. Both to Mary and to Joseph, the angel in the dream to Joseph, the angel Gabriel in person to Mary, announces that you are to name him Jesus. You are to name him Jesus. Now to Mary, the angel Gabriel never tells her why, but to Matthew, it is Chris, or I'm sorry, to Joseph in the book of Matthew, it is crystal clear because he will save his people from their sins. That's why. Because everyone that meets him, they're going to hear the name Joshua. We pronounce it Jesus, but in Hebrew, it's Joshua. And the name Joshua means God delivers. God saves, God redeems. And so everyone that came up to give Jesus a fist bump when he was eight years old, what's your name, kid? Joshua. Lord saves, Lord redeems, the Lord delivers. Everywhere he went, his name announced that there is a God who sets his people free. And the angel says to Mary and to Joseph separately, you don't get to choose the name for this kid. This kid must bear the name of Joshua, of Yeshua, of Jesus. He must because he will save his people from their sins. I want to tell you that must have come across very oddly to Mary. Because in Mary's world and in Joseph's world, as Jewish people, you see, they would have believed that God needed to redeem or deliver or save all the people from their sins that were not Jewish. Because you see, in Judaism, you would have had that opportunity to have sacrifice for your sins, to go to the temple in Jerusalem and have your sins covered and atoned for. But the message that's given to Joseph is crystal clear. He will save his people from their sins. Not the foreign people, not the Gentiles, not the non-Jews, that God through Jesus is going to save those who have been doing sacrifices now for generations to cover their sins. God will do a new thing through this king and he will save his people from their sins. Something new is coming. But again, to Mary and Joseph, who are Jewish, it may have and must have sounded somewhat strange because as Jews, they're following the law of God. Their sins are atoned for through the sacrificial system and through the high priesthood in Jerusalem. But now the angel announces, oh, no, 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 no. This king, this child is also going to save Jewish people from their sin. That's powerful. There's going to be a new move of God, a new sacrifice. Something else will happen that will literally save people from their sin. When I think about this announcement, it hits me to the depths of my soul because I can promise you I am a person who has sin. I have sin. And the promise is, that in Christ, there's hope to be saved from, from it. But to me, being saved from sin 
has an extra layer to it. It's not just that I can go to God and find forgiveness because notice it doesn't say he's going to forgive the people. No, it says he will save you from sin. And the hope that I have and the transformation of my life has always come from when I bring my sin to Christ and I, yes, I find forgiveness, but through the power of the Spirit, there's a new way to live life. And that in Jesus, there's a hope that I don't have to be stuck in the same sin. Yes, he forgives me, but the promise at his birth and prior to his birth to Joseph was that he will save people from sin, from sin. And so I want to say to you that if you feel like you're trapped in sin, you stepped into a sin and you did it at first and you had control of it, but now it has control of you. If that's you, Jesus is your guy. Jesus is the one that can save you from your sin. He's the only one I know. He's the only one. Because not only can he forgive you, but he can also transform you. And through the power of the Spirit, give you a unique victory that's found in him over sin in your heart and in your life. Listen, I confessed at the beginning as I began to talk about this passage that I have sinned. But can I tell you where the victory lies in my life? I've got a list of sins that are no more. I might have a list over here, but that list is slowly shrinking. And the list over here of the sins that I've been saved from is growing. And by the way, it's not because I'm adding new sin over here. It's because I have learned that the passage of Scripture that the angel announces in the dream to Joseph is true, that in Christ I can be saved from sin. Now, how do I put feet to my faith and how do you put feet to yours? Here's how. The Scripture says that when the angel brings these realities and these truths about the baby that she will bear, she responds by saying, may your word to me be fulfilled. And I want you to notice what she says. May your word be fulfilled. God, what you have said, may it happen. And to Joseph it says, when Joseph woke up, he got up and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home is his wife. You see, the entire Christmas story is based on this, that Mary and Joseph separately have this angelic reality where the angel brings the word of God to each of them uniquely. And notice, other than what the child must be named, what the angel says to Joseph is different than what the angel says to Mary because they need to hear different things. But I can't imagine that when Joseph went to get Mary, he said, Mary, come on, I'm going to take you home. Mary, what you told me about the Holy Spirit conception thing, by golly, it's true. So you're going to come home with me. And I can only picture that as there she is at least three months pregnant and they're walking toward Joseph's home in the village that he's from. They begin to share their stories. And Mary says, you know, Joseph, 
The angel told me, you don't get to pick the kid's name. Joseph said, don't worry about it. I already know what the name is. It's Jesus. But then they shared the things that the angel had uniquely told each of them. And together, they put feet to their faith. What I'm going to ask that we would do now is that you would please stand with me. And as we stand together, I'd like for you to kind of start out in thinking about this message the same way we started out in prayer earlier. That you would take a moment to close your eyes, but open up your heart by faith. And think through and process through with the help of the Holy Spirit this simple devotional. And think through. Is God's word speaking to your heart? Have you sensed that scripture is coming alive to you by the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're standing here and you struggle to believe the Lord is with you personally. You believe in Emmanuel, God with us, but you're struggling with the concept to believe that what the angel said to Mary is also true of you, that the Lord is with you. And then for others, it's time for you to open up your heart by faith and to recognize that what the angel said to Joseph in the dream is true, that Jesus is here to save us from our sin. That Jesus can not only forgive us, but he can also save us from our sin. He has that authority. He has that power. And so would you take a moment to open your heart to him. Say, Jesus, let your words speak to me if that's your need in your prayer. Maybe your need in your prayer is to believe that what the angel told Mary is true. The Lord is with you. And then for all of us, that this child, this baby, has come into the world to save us from our sin. Let's take a moment in God's presence. close every Sunday and every sermon that's preached at City we talk about putting feet to our faith if you're here this morning and you would like to practically and literally put feet to your faith maybe one of these three areas you're struggling with God's word coming alive and speaking to you 
concept, the idea that the Lord is with you personally. Or maybe it's being freed up and being saved from sin. If you would like to put feet to your faith this morning, we're not going to have people praying for other people. But if you would like to come forward during the next worship song, I invite you to do that. Simply saying that you're going to step out the same way Mary did and the same way Joseph did. That you would act and enact on the word that God is putting in your heart. No one's going to know why you've come forward, but you and God do. And if you would like to come forward and stand up front during worship and to pray and to bring yourself forward and take a physical participatory part in what God's doing in your heart, I encourage you to do that as the worship team leads us through this next worship song. Let's worship together. And if you feel the need to step out and come forward, I want to encourage you to do that. When this worship song is concluded, I will come back with the pastoral blessing.